Alrighty. Good morning, everybody. Guru in the Woods Fantasy Football Podcast. And week two is in the books. Time to start moving forward and looking at week three. Wiz, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning. Uh, doing well. Uh, it's a who's a who's a wild and willy week two in terms of the NFL uh, fantasy football, all of that. Uh, you know, you know. I'll tell you, just um, just something that I was just thinking about. I remember that we had like a big Zoom meeting before, you know, about a month or so before the season started. And, you know, we were trying to figure out what to do with COVID and we were going to, you know, make all of these adjustments with the moves and, you know, getting a lot of questions from guys in our league, you know, how are we going to handle this with COVID and that with COVID. And I remember, you know, going over the safety nets that we're going to use, but I remember telling the guys in the league that let's not forget, you know, we're all concerned about the COVID and how it's going to affect, but the biggest thing in in fantasy football that becomes frustrating and devastating to owners and is still the, the number one thing to concern yourself with are these season-ending injuries, these six- to eight-week injuries, these four- to six-to-week injuries, and that's really the prominent thing in in fantasy football that makes season long drafting as a, as opposed to like you know drafting like on DraftKings a lineup every single week. You know, I know we've talked about different ideas how to how to you know we're gonna have to try and implement a season where we where we do something like that where we you know it's a it's a season long league but you have like kind of a redraft every week. I think maybe that would be fun and interesting to try, but. Man, the injuries are so prominent and uh, really could change your season at the drop of a hat. Yeah, big names, right? So when you think about snake drafts, right? One, two, Christian McCaffrey and uh, Saquon Barkley. And, you know, right at the top, you have Barkley out for the year and McCaffrey going to miss the next four to six weeks. Basically, he's got the same injury that Saquon had last year. You know, you wonder how much of that is due to what transpired in the preparation for the season maybe you know it was a different type of preparation I'm not going to say that's the reason for it but it was some just big big names and uh, as you said um, and even on the defensive side of the ball you know guys like Anthony Barr Malik Hooker uh, Nick Bosa it's just a tough tough week and it's only week two Um, so there's a lot to be done there's a lot to be looked over uh, I don't think it's reason for people to throw throw in their hat and say uh, that's it. You gotta you gotta fight hard and and fight till the end. And uh, you know we got a number of different suggestions that we'll have for people as we kind of look over what took place in in week two. Uh, and look, you got to look to move forward. Week three week three has started, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you you know to your point, you have to kind of. I don't know, I guess kind of rationalize. You have to rationalize when you play fantasy football in some ways. But you have to think like, okay, I'm in a 12-team league and I'm not the only team that has suffered – you know, bad injuries or all of the injuries that are, that are you know, that are, that are prominent uh, so far this season and not all on my team. So you have to consider and think, I guess, in a positive way that, you know, that you're not the only guy that's, that's suffering. And I would say that's probably correct, that there are, you know, it's spread out over the most of the teams in your leagues, at least in the leagues that we're in. Yeah, you know, we're in leagues where we've had some bad ones, but, um 
other other teams have as well. So what you have to do is you have to, you know, okay, that you know, you you got guys hurt and uh, have to go about and uh, and see what's out there in the free agent market. See uh, see you know how you can adjust. Maybe look at some trades, different things to do. And uh, you know, we'll we'll get started. And I guess uh, we'll uh, we'll start it off in the AFC this podcast, and we'll take it division by division and kind of do like you know, where the teams are at and from a fantasy football perspective. So we'll start with the AFC East. And now let me start because I was very much against Josh Allen, uh, and he has looked great so far. But, you know, let's slow things down a little bit. The two games were against the Jets and against the Dolphins. And, uh, you know, he he's looked good so far. And, uh, you know, Diggs – is, is really, really fitting in nicely with that team. And, and John Brown has had two good games as well. So I don't think there's really much to say about the Bills are, you know, with the exception of I'd like to see them play one of the elite teams in the AFC. And let me see what Josh Allen uh, looks like. Still making some mistakes with errors and throws judgment, uh, being a little loose with the ball. So, you know, I, I don't really have much to add about the Buffalo Bills. Just we'll see what happens when they play better competition. Um, moving to the Patriots. Um, yeah, I mean, again, you know, Edelman had that great connection with Cam Newton in, in, against Seattle, but, man, Seattle's secondary, you know, they were down to, like, guys who barely playing games in their secondary on that game. One guy was hurt, another guy got thrown out of the game. So, I would I would just want to see what that looks like um, with a, with a, you know a solid NFL secondary and see you know he's making throws uh, but he he looked good I will say the Patriots backfield looks like a hot mess and it's really a situation to avoid um, Miami I mean it's just a matter of time before you know Tua gets old you know gets in there. Um, you know, Parker's been hurt, um, slowed down by hamstrings the first couple of games. So I think Tua, you know, may get in there sooner than later. And there's really nothing to be said about the Jets. They're they're awful. Um, I had a diehard Jets fan ask me if he thinks that the Jets should try and go uh, winless and, uh, and take Trevor Lawrence. And that's pretty sad considering that they consider Sam Donald their quarterback of the future. But for Jet fans to start considering that is sad. So how about you? Anything you wanted to add on or talk about as far as the AFC East goes? Yeah, sure. So for the Bills, uh, I, I share your view on, on who they played. I think that the, the interesting thing about the Bills is, is Moss and Singletary continue to divide those carries pretty, pretty much down the middle. And uh, the other thing I would make note of is the Bills led the NFL in four wide spreads so far through the first two weeks of the season. That's a very interesting dynamic. I'll be keeping an eye on that. Um, you know, if there was an injury, there's an interesting player that I have my eye on there, and that's Gabriel Davis, um, who scored a touchdown. He only caught one ball this week, but if there was an injury, it would be a very interesting situation for that player. Um, on New England, you know, obviously very sad, uh, the situation with um, James White losing his dad and his mom in critical condition. And I agree with you on that backfield being, being a mess. Um, Newton really did impress me. He made some great throws. That was Julian Edelman's <clears throat> top performance uh, in terms of yardage as an NFL player. Um, I actually thought N Nikhil Harry made a couple of really good plays in the game, but 
Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised uh, what would happen with with Cam, and you know, obviously he's a factor on the ground. As far as Miami goes, uh, you know, a guy who we both kind of talked about in that kind of just outside the top ten at, at, at tight end, and Mike Kosicki really had a big game this week. Um, you know, I think he'll continue to build upon that. They're really utilizing um, that player. And on the Jets, you know, it's pretty unbelievable when a 32-year-old guy who you signed only a week and a half ago led your team in snaps, and that was Chris Hogan. He also got banged up in the game. But uh, the Jets are in disarray. I feel bad for Sam Darnold. I'm not sure he's the answer for the future. There's so many question marks from the coach to the organization. It's just a disaster. Uh, the New York football season has uh, ended early uh, for the Jets and, uh, and the Giants. Yep. Um, let's move on to the AFC North, where there's a lot going on in the AFC North because, wow, the Steelers look good. The Ravens obviously good. You know, Cleveland, <laughs> again, played at home against Cincinnati, so we'll, 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 we'll slow down with that one. But they certainly have a lot of talent, and there's a lot of things to like about Joe Burrow and Cincinnati as well. So let's start from the top, the, the Ravens. You know, I, I think, you know, I had a friend ask me in, you know, another league what I thought about marking on this upcoming season. And I love J.K. Dobbins. I mean, I, I've talked about him on and on and on. But marking him is like Rocky Balboa. And every time, like, you count him out, think he's done, he just comes back and after week one everyone was like oh my goodness jk dobbins you know he's taking the mantle it's starting in week two already and and forget about ingram and then you know it was kind of like a reversal i think you know jk dobbins is the guy that will have the better season but you can't count ingram out he does enough good things and you know the ravens like to mix it up with their players and uh you know it, it could change from week to week and uh, i think if you're an ingram and to some extent the jk dobbins owner it, it could be a little maddening trying to figure that out uh marquise brown um had an elite game. He had like 100 yards in the first half week one, kind of quiet in week two. So uh, they're, they're spreading the ball out. The, the, the one constant seems to be Mark Andrews, who seems to be like a red zone force. I'm just so surprised teams don't start taking him away and making them do something else there. But, you know, again, you have to worry about Jackson running the ball. So there's a lot to like about the Ravens. Um, they have they have a lot of good players, and in some regards, it could be maddening owning some of their you know fantasy players. Ben Roethlisberger, as we predicted, is going to be back this year. Um, he sh- the rusts were shaken off in the first half against the Giants. The second half against the Giants made some great throws. He chased Claypool down the sidelines for a long, long touchdown pass. Deontay Johnson looks fabulous. Juju Smith-Schuster is doing his thing. Um, Connor, again, injured in week one, came back and played great uh, week two. So I'm not sure that's going to be a split like people thought. I think Connor is you know, going to be the guy unless something happens again to Connor. Uh, so the top two teams look, look fabulous. Uh, the, the, that could be you know, uh, a battle when those two teams play because the, the, those two teams are playing at a high level and the Steelers' defense you know, it makes a lot of plays as well. Cleveland ran the ball over, all over Cincinnati in the Thursday night game as expected. Um, 
I just want to see if Baker Mayfield can make those throws against a team who, you know, is, is more competent on defense. Uh, so I'm still, the jury is still out with me as far as Baker goes. I think you're going to see a bunch of that. Terrible game, good game, a mediocre game, a good game, a bad game. I mean, I, I just think he's going to be inconsistent uh, as the season goes on. And there's a lot to like about Cincinnati. They have a lot of good young players. Joe Burrow just... You know, to see a rookie quarterback play with that confidence, man, you could just see it in his eyes that he feels he he belongs there. He does belong there. He's got some slick stuff to his game. I remember a young Joe Montana. You know, people, you know, if they even remember Joe Montana as the elite accurate passer. But, man, he would be slippery inside that pocket, and he would take off and run the ball, especially when he was a younger player. And I see a lot of that in Joe Burrow, so I'm not saying that Joe Burrow is the next Joe Montana, but he's got that confidence and even arrogance about him, which I like. So there's a lot going on in the division, and uh, go ahead, have at it. Tell us uh, any thoughts or something you wanted to add to that. So in Cincinnati, uh, you know, uh, we own Mixon in the league. And, uh, you know, I don't know what happened in the second half of that game. He had a great first half, and then they just kind of lost their way in, in terms of usage. So it's a Thursday night game, so I don't want to look too much into it. But I'll be watching very closely what happens with him this week. They also got a tough break. Uh, C.J. Ozoma was really having a good game, and, and he got hurt out for the year. Um, but Drew Sample stepped in and definitely had um, a Burrow's eye in that game. So could be a wave of wire fine. You want to keep an eye on that. Uh, I, t- I talked about this receiving group uh, before the season started. I thought Boyd was the guy to own uh, as opposed to as opposed to A.J. Green. A.J. Green got the wind knocked out of him during this game. He was targeted 13 times but only caught uh, th- you know three balls. So a little bit of a concern there. But again, it's one game, so don't want to panic just yet. On, on Cleveland, to me, Baker Mayfield should be your game manager. It's the lean on Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think both guys work and complement each other very, very well. I think there are times that they should be on the field together uh, and working in with those two tight ends as well. Because I think um, I think the, the rookie that they drafted along with Hooper, Bryant along with Hooper, you know, using that kind of power package can be very, very effective uh, for Cleveland. So I look for a lot more of that. You know, you mentioned Roethlisberger. I know how I felt about the player coming in the year. Everything is happening the way we forecasted it. It's kind of interesting. Um, the tight ends have kind of played uh, no part in the offense in the, in the first couple of weeks. I'd love to see them find a way to find Chase Claypool onto the field a little bit more. He did increase his workload this week, so that was good. It was nice to see Connor get back out there. As far as the Ravens go, yeah, it's going to be dictated uh, on the type of game that they play. I'm super excited for Monday night next week, Kansas City against Baltimore. A very exciting matchup for sure. What the Ravens end up doing, you know, Lamar ran the ball 16 times this week. Dobbins touched it only two times. Can you see a scenario where, you know, the Ravens are using their running backs a little bit more this, this coming week? Yep. The guy is on the field a lot, Miles Boykin. Um, and I think I think you picked him up in the league. So he's, he's playing a lot alongside of Hollywood Brown and Willie Sneed. That's really the three guys that they're using in their receiver setup. But I am very excited for that Monday night matchup against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that's going to be that is going to be a terrific terrific game for sure. You you know, I think a, a case could be made that 
not only are they the two best teams in the AFC, at this point they're probably the two best teams in football uh, all around. And it, it may it may not even be that close. I mean, you know, I know Pittsburgh looks good, but man, the Ravens and Kansas City are impressive teams. Um, let's go to the AFC South. Um, where let, let's start from the bottom and work our way up here. The Texans, you said you didn't like Deshaun Watson. I don't know if if Fuller, you know, is hamstring again, that that could be an ugly situation. They're too much of a finesse team to me. Like they have all of their players, so finesse players, uh, all of their receivers, Cooks and Stills and and uh, and 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 Will Fuller. Um, you know, and David Johnson, I, I just think they lack toughness and that presence over the middle. And boy, it doesn't it doesn't look good for them this year. I mean, they if they can't protect Deshaun Watson and allow him to make plays, their defense doesn't look good. There's really not much to like about the Texans. They have some great players, but it, you know, they they just too much of a of, of a finesse team for me, and not enough toughness. Um, the Colts got back on track. They dismantled my Minnesota Vikings at home on Sunday. Um, you know, I was really surprised they lost that first game uh, against the Jaguars, but they got back on track. Uh, lost Hooker a tough, you know, that was a tough blow on, on the defensive side of the football. But, you know, again, I have been the leader of the Jonathan Taylor fan club, and I know there are a lot of people who went out and spent – a lot, probably half or more of their half their, of their move money on Hines. He mines, and I think it's it's without an understanding of how good of a player Jonathan Taylor is. I mean, it, it's not going to be like a Melvin Gordon Austin Eckler split from a few years ago. Well, you know, Eckler is doing a lot of stuff in the passing game, and he's playing about forty percent of the snaps. You know, Jonathan Taylor is is going to be an elite running back in this league. And with that offensive line, it's a perfect match. I consider more, you know, much more, I think much more of that is to come. Um, I'm a little concerned about T.Y. Hilton. He's played two bad games, and I'm not just talking about the stat line. I'm talking about the drops as well. Um, but he loves to throw to the tight end, and their first two tight ends on the depth chart are heard, Mo Alley Cox. Stepped up. He's a big athletic guy. You may see more of that as long as Doyle and Burton remain out. Um, the Jaguars look really good. Um, they they ate it to the last play against uh, the Titans. Uh, they lost that game on the road, but man, Minshew's got that Minshew magic working, and uh, they have good offensive players. And Robinson has looked dynamic at running back. Um, so there's a lot of you know good things to to like about the the Jaguars, especially on the offensive side, and the Titans are <laughs> the Titans are, are two and zero, oh, and they they played two games where they could easily be zero oh and two, I guess, but they're two and zero, oh, uh, so they're winning these tight games, which is always a good thing, and they played without their number one receiver AJ Brown this past week, uh, Corey Davis. I know you love Jonah Smith. Um, the season and this past week, that was uh, that was you know a good call by you uh, as far as your um, predictions for the week. But you know they they seem to find themselves in a lot of these tight games, and it seems like those are the type of games they want to be in. Um, so 
the division is tight. I still prefer the Colts over the Titans when push comes to shove. But again, um, have at it. How do you think about uh, what do you think about the AFC South? Yeah. So so with Houston, yes, my, you know, I was very clear on how I felt about um, uh, Watson and not the player, but the situation. I, I want to be slightly careful here, especially given that they played Kansas City and Baltimore in their first two games. So. Let's see what happens as we move forward into in, in different uh, competition. Uh, but look, they're going to have a tough time in this division because all these teams are coming to play each Sunday. But um, you know that that uh, Will Fuller uh, hamstring is made out of cray paper, and uh, you know he got hurt again, uh, and he disappeared. And a lot of people were wondering what the heck was going on. And it's just a player you cannot depend on. I'll tell you one guy who's looking very dependable there. And that's Jordan Akins, the former baseball player. He's on the field 80% of the time at tight end. I know they have Darren Fells there too, but this kid's athletic. Uh, he caught seven balls this week. He got a touchdown last week. That's a guy I definitely keep a close eye on, especially given that I don't believe in this receiving core. Um, you know, as far as Indianapolis goes, uh, you know, Mo Ali Cox, yeah, you really liked him as a pickup, and, and, and he did very well. I think there'll be games, depending on the situation, where, where Hines will have very big games. I thought this was going to be a more competitive effort, that Hines would be catching a few balls, and it didn't happen. Obviously, Paris Campbell got hurt, um, and that's an injury to watch. He sprained his PCL, He'll probably be out, you know, two to six weeks, somewhere in that vicinity, and he was really starting to come on. Um you know, both in camp and, and in, in game one. So disappointing there. I was, an, I was a player I liked this week, but he never really got going because of the injury. Um, Jacksonville, yeah, I, I, the Minshew mania thing is great. I think the most interesting thing what's going on with Jacksonville too is the way they're using LaVisca Chenault. I know you really like that guy as well. But he's rushing the ball. They're using him on all kinds of patterns. I see this continuing. I just love their offensive personnel. This is not a situation where this team is tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And Minshew's numbers have been just astonishing in the first two games. And, in fact, the two interceptions that he had were not even his fault. So, uh, I, I, you know, you and I really love Minshew as a number two. We thought he could be a top-ten quarterback. And right now, that is looking like the situation. Uh, you know, as far as Tennessee goes, yeah, Juno Smith, terrific. You now, Tannehill in a game where I thought it was going to be a, a Henry show and no A.J. Brown had four touchdown passes. So, you know, he's picking up where he left off last year. So, yeah, it'll be a fight between Tennessee and Indy that I think if Indy eventually wins. But, you know, like you said, hopefully uh, T.Y. Hilton can wake up from that coma he's currently in. Yeah, <laughs> I think um, I think those, you know, those are all valid points. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that division plays out. And then finally, we'll get to the AFC West, uh, where... Boy, it started out where, you know, the Broncos did so much drafting at wide receiver and Drew Locke is the quarterback and um, good young receivers and things have taken a, a, a turn for the worse for the Broncos. Drew Locke is going to miss multiple games. I mean, with that injury, AC joint, I know they have that bye week, I think week seven. I mean, I don't know. They're going to rush him back before that, though probably be 0-5 or 1-4 or 1-5 or 0-6 by the time he's thinking about his return. So they probably won't play him before the bye week. Then you're looking at week eight. Colin Sutton just could never get going, you know, an injury in the, like one of the last practice sessions and then out for the year. So now they're kind of, you know, have three 
you know, two rookies and another young receiver uh, with a backup quarterback in a division that that has Kansas City who could score and the Raiders' offense looks better. Um, so things have not started well for the Broncos. I'm concerned that it's going to be a lost season for them. Um, hate to say that this early, but it's a combination of what's happened to them and the, and the teams in that division as well. Um so the Chargers had the one of the weirdest things I've ever seen happen with Tyrod Taylor, uh, you know, had getting that injection for an injury that nobody was transparent about. Nobody knew that he suffered the injury on which Friday. You, which, which you've talked about a lot. Yeah. I mean, these teams are so over and over again. These teams are not transparent about the injury. So we didn't hear anything about Taylor hurting himself or getting injured on Friday that caused him to take an injection right before game time. He had an adverse reaction to the injection. They didn't know what was going on. So they, he went to the hospital and they cleared him. But they said that we'll go with Herbert. And he played well. So now you have a quarterback controversy on your hands that you never meant to have because you were never going to start the rookie uh, and probably until much later in the season. So that's that. that we'll see how that goes. Herbert played really well. And, and it, I'll say this. If you own Keenan Allen, you are hoping that the Chargers stick with the rookie quarterback because he looked really good throwing the ball. And he, he, he just has a different arsenal than Taylor. Um, so I think if you own Keenan Allen and even Hunter Henry as well, um, you want to see Herbert in there. So we'll have to see how that plays out. You had a great pick um, with the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, you had a lot of bad picks this past week in terms of pickups, but Jonas Smith and the Raiders were, were on the money. You predicted them to win the game outright. Uh, and it didn't look good at 17-7, but... I don't know what the heck happened. You know, we'll get to the NFC one. We'll talk about the Saints and Drew Brees in the next podcast. But the Raiders look look really good. They're spreading the ball out nicely. I mean, it all starts with Jacobs. And, yeah, the Saints really wanted to take away Jacobs. And for the most part, they did. I think he used the, you know, 80-something yards rushing. He ended up with maybe close to 100 yards in total offense. But, you know, there's a – you know, a lot to be said. They have two young superstar players. I mean, two guys who are certainly top five at their position, and Jacobs and Darren Waller, who just looked fantastic. I know there are a lot of people, we talked about this in the preseason that, or before the season started, that some people thought that Darren Waller was a fluke last year, but I don't know. I think he is so athletic. I mean, I, we grabbed him in the league that we're partners in. I have him in a few leagues this year. Uh, I, I didn't understand the thinking behind that one bit. But he looked great. And then they sprinkle in all of those other guys. I mean, that's what John Gruen likes to do. He likes to give you a Renfro in the slot here and the kid from South Carolina, Edwards there, and Nelson Aguilar, and Zay Jones will make an appearance. Um, so that's what he likes to do with the offense. He likes to spread it out. But they have two elite offensive players in Jacobs and Waller, so that's something to really, you know, they can, they can work around and build around those two great players. And what can you say about Kansas City? I mean, Kansas City reminds me of a great baseball pitcher who – comes to the mound and steps on the mound and he, he has his B game. 
He just doesn't have his A game that day, and yet he's able to gut it out and grind it out and still win the game anyhow by using his second pitch and using his brains. And that's like the analogy with Kansas City. I mean, when they're on their A game, they're virtually unstoppable. Like you, we, you know, we saw them um, from time to time. We saw, we certainly saw that in Week One against the Texans and the playoffs against the Texans, where it just looks like they're playing, and you have like seven guys on the field on defense, where they're going to score a touchdown every single time. And then you get a game like Sunday, where they didn't have their A game, and and the Chargers had a great game plan. They were going to not let any passes go deep, and they were going to make the other guys beat them. And Tyreek Hill had zero catches. I know Kelsey had a great first half, and they kind of like stopped him in the second half. And they, you know, they made other things have to happen for the Chiefs to win. And you saw Pat Mahomes use uh, an arsenal that he doesn't use often, which is his legs, to make some big runs and first downs. And uh, I think it's so impressive when you're on the road playing against a good team and you don't have your A game and you're still able to win. And I know you definitely want to talk about Harrison Butker as well. So have at it. Finish up your thoughts on the AFC West. Yeah, so let's talk about the Broncos, and the door is now wide open for Jerry Judy to be the number one receiver there. K.J. Hamler got in there this week. He was targeted seven times. I think, you know, look, Jeff Driscoll at times as a backup quarterback in the NFL has actually done okay, a little bit with Cincinnati, a little bit with Detroit. So he's got some legs too. So I thought he played pretty well considering he was pressed into action against that vaunted Steeler defense. Uh, I think the big beneficiary here is probably going to be the now known as Noah Fantasy. And uh, Noah Font has scored two games in a row. He's been targeted uh, a lot in both games. Uh, You know, the guy's got some Big time wheels on him, and you know physical presence. So he's he's he seems like he will be the biggest beneficiary here. But yeah, Denver's losing between Locke, Sutton, and on defense Miller. It's it's just a complete uh, circus over there. Um, well, as far as the Chargers go, yeah, I thought Herbert did a very very good job. I mean those carries continued to be split pretty evenly between Kelly and Eckler. Uh, you know, I thought Eckler would bounce back this week and he did. He caught the ball a little bit more. Good to see that. Um, you know, two really good backs. I think that's the way they'll continue to be used. As you mentioned, if Herbert's in there, it's going to benefit this receiving core. So we'll be watching that situation closely. Um, as far as the Raiders go, so a couple of things on the Raiders. Yes, it was one of my good calls as opposed to a couple of the sloppy ones that I had. Um, but yeah, I felt the I felt the Raiders coming into the season were a playoff team. I think they have a lot of weapons on offense. I would actually like to see Gruden open it up a bit more um, than he has thus far. You know, Edwards made a couple of great catches. I think I think Ruggs is a little banged up in this game. As you mentioned, they got guys like Zay Jones, Aguilar, Renfro. There are weapons all over the place. Waller is uncoverable. They finally decide to put two guys on him. I mean, he's just an absolute beast uh, out there. So, and this is. The interesting thing about that game last night, I want to say three-quarters of the line, <laughs> sorry, four-fifths of the line of the, Las, of the Las Vegas Raiders starters were out of this game. So their backups actually played pretty well. They had two guys banged up coming in, and two guys got hurt during the game. So pretty commendable. I thought Carr looked terrific. A lot of good decisions. Very, very happy what I see here. I put money on them to win more than seven games. 
and I had them last night winning outright. So I'm happy about the Raiders. So very, very interesting there. And KC, like I said, they are looking forward to that game on Monday night. Uh, Tyreek Hill and, and Mahomes woke up in that last quarter. I, they were just sleepwalking through the whole game, and they're not going to be able to afford to do that. Um, but the Harrison-Butker situation was unbelievable. The guy, they had a penalty. He kicked the 53-yarder. There was a penalty. They moved him back. He got iced as he was making the 58-yarder, and he went back out there and made a 58-yarder again. And if it wasn't for our boy Steph manipulating the little scoring system in one of the leagues in, it would have been a really big week for Butker. But uh, he knocked down the scoring for the kickers, which is not a thing. Guys deserve bonuses when they kick kicks like that. But what Butker did, kicking those three kicks under those conditions with the clock going down, was nothing short of incredible. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I'll tell you something else. I, I just want to add this one quick thing before we you know, sign off and, and get to the NFC next. Is I think the dumbest thing a coach does is when you call a timeout right when the guy is about to kick. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> because he's gonna he gets the kickoff. Yeah, whatever. Like what, you call timeout one second left uh, before he actually kicks the ball. But one of two things is going to happen. One, he makes the kick as you're calling timeout, and that gives him complete confidence that he's going to make it again, or he's kicked it, and the wind has taken it one way, or he's missed it in one way, and now he's able to make the adjustment. I think calling that timeout to free the kicker is idiotic. You're either giving him confidence if he makes it, or if, he, if the conditions are such, you could, the, the kicker realizes maybe what he did wrong, which way the wind is blowing, how he has to kick it again, and I just think just give the guy one kick at it, and that's it. I just hate that timeout. I think it's idiotic when coaches do that. I don't know when that started, but now I think coaches just do it because they think it's the right thing to do without any thinking behind it. So I hate that move, and uh, it was great to see Butker uh, kick that. That that was fabulous. And I, you know, I got to give. Uh, I think Tony Romo was uh, was was doing that game, um, and it was funny because. He he said it. He said, this is a 58-yard field goal, and I'll be honest, this is Tony Romo talking, and he said, this is a 58-yard field goal, and as I'm watching this, I've never been more sure in my life that a guy is going to make a field goal. And he was <laughs> dead on. The guy made it, you know, three times in a row. It was, it was, it was, it was incredible. It was yeah. absolutely incredible. But, very, uh, very impressive stuff. I thought also a pretty ballsy call by uh, Gruden last night also with Carlson, right, letting him rock a 54-yarder, oh, right? Oh, man, that really, really was. I got to be honest. I would think, you know, I was watching there and very surprised because you were going to give the ball to the Saints after they just moved down the field. Um at the ball would have been very close to midfield. It would have been at you know yeah. the Saints only at the at the Saints forty five. They would have had to move only fifty five yards down the field to score. But uh, that was an interesting one. I guess the coaches must have had complete confidence he was going to make it, and he he made it easy and uh, give him uh, give him credit for that one. So yeah, two bombs, uh, two two bombs in two weeks for Carlson. So a name that's not really talked about in uh, in kicker circles, but with this offense perking up a little bit, maybe maybe one to keep an eye on. All right, we're up to the NFC next. All right, sounds fabulous. Uh, and you know, like like we said, uh, we'll we got some injuries to talk about there, but we'll we'll try to see if we can help people navigate that. But uh, yeah, on to the on to the NFC. See you in a bit. <laughs> 